We've been talking about serving, and we've talked about uh, you have spiritual gifts. Uh, God has gifted uh, you for special place uh, roles in serving. Today, I want to just change our thinking to uh, what we all should be doing. And it uh, doesn't matter your gifting or whatever is what we all should be doing in serving. So let's bow in prayer. Father, I just thank you that you've chosen to work through us, to use us. What a privilege it is to be used by you. And I just pray that as we look at this topic of serving once again, that you would speak to us this morning, that you would apply it to each of us individually. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In John chapter 12, we have Jesus throwing a dinner party for his disciples. It's his last party with them. They haven't caught on to this yet, but he knows it. And they had a custom in those days. Uh, to understand this custom, we must understand that the streets of Jerusalem weren't paved. And so as they walked through them, you were doing one or another. Uh, either was ground into dust by all the people and animals that walked through. And so you walked through ankle deep in dust, or if it had rained, you were walking through in mud. And so the disciples, perhaps they'd all had a bath before they set out for the party, but by the time they get there, their feet are filthy. And this is where the custom comes in. As guests would arrive, a slave or a hired servant would meet the guests at the door, remove the guest's sandals, and wash his feet for him. It was considered a low-ranking job fit only for a slave or a servant. Important people, or at least those who thought of themselves as somebody, never ever washed somebody's feet. That was below their dignity. Now Jesus had sent a couple disciples ahead to prepare this feast. Uh, everything was arranged, so when they came and they walked in, immediately they're hit with this glaring error that had been forgotten. They'd forgotten to arrange for the foot washer. It was a serious breach of courtesy. It was the height of rudeness to have guests come in and go to supper with dirty feet. Now, in our culture, we would think nothing of it. Uh, we would just hide our feet under the table. But they reclined at the table. The table was low. Around it were low couches. You reclined on the couches. You reached over to the table, and you would take your food from the table and eat there. And so your feet were out in the open behind you. And so if you came up to the tables, all these feet are the first things around the table. And so there they are. Uh, everyone's feet fully visible, everyone's feet dirty, everyone's feet near to someone else. And someone needed to be the foot washer guy. But I think Peter's sitting there thinking, well, I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm one of the top three. I rank higher than the rest. Let one of them do it. Perhaps John is thinking, well, you know, I'm Jesus' best friend. I rank the highest. Let one of the lower-ranking disciples do it. But, of course, no one wanted to think of themselves as the low-ranking disciple, did they? And so they're all thinking, let someone else do it. No one wants to do it. They're all too proud. And it's an awkward moment, and it passes with them all reclining there, waiting for the meal to pretend, uh, begin, all pretending that nothing was wrong. All of them waiting to see which one of them would be the servant. It was the job that no one wanted. 
And the Bible says the food was served. It was an awkward moment. When I was going to Bible college one day, I was having uh, lunch in the cafeteria and our table, uh, each table seated eight and around it. Uh, we had seven guys around there and this girl, so there was one chair left. This girl walked up to our table, she approached it, she stood there, she made sure she got the attention of all of us. And once she had the attention of all of us, she took her tray with all the food on it and she just deliberately did this and tipped it. And everything went crashing to the ground, to the floor. And then she waited for some guy to jump out of his chair to help her. And the question was, who would be her servant? It was an awkward moment. And that's what it was like here. It was an awkward moment, and no one was jumping up to wash the feet, and the food was served. Their attitude is, was, well, I'd rather it not happen at all than I have to do it. Just serve the food and let's get on with the meal. I'm not going to serve you. Now Jesus is watching this drama and seeing that no one would humble himself, he got up from his couch and he poured a jug of water. He took off his outer robe and he got down on his hands and knees and he began to wash their smelly feet. Now think of it. God himself getting down on his hands and knees and washing feet. Can you imagine how quiet the room got? How embarrassed they all were? The God of the universe is not too proud to do what I'm too proud to do. And having finished washing their feet, perhaps still holding that basin full of muddy water and a filthy towel, he quietly spoke and he said, do you understand what I'm doing? You call me teacher and Lord and you're right because it's true. And since I, the Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. How true it is that a servant is not greater than the master, nor are messengers more important than the one who sends them. You know these things. Now do them. That is the path of blessing. Do you catch what he's saying? I'm calling everyone who bears my name to be willing to do what normal pride-filled people are unwilling to do. I'm asking them to live beyond themselves and to do acts of service. To look beyond their own petty concerns, their social status, their titles, their positions, their desires, their wants. I want everyone who bears my name to be willing to pick up the basin and the towel. This is a call to live beyond our selfishness. It's the call to look at people and to see their needs. To live each moment as seeing the opportunity which that moment holds. You know, and so often it's in the little simple things. Who controls the remote for the TV? It's an offering to help with dishes. Maybe buying a gift to cheer someone's day, giving a smile, opening a door for someone, greeting a visitor and saying, come to my house, I'd like to get to know you. 
reaching out to someone who's lonely or hurting, taking some baking to someone to cheer their day, fixing their car, or fixing something around the house for them, taking a moment to pray with them, or taking some time just to listen. It's paying attention to those subtle nudges of the Holy Spirit. A few years ago, there was a man heading towards Edmonton, coming from the north, uh, coming from the west, for an appointment, and unknown to him, a few miles ahead of him was a Mexican immigrant who was a doctor. Now, this doctor suddenly had a sense that God was telling him to pull over and stop alongside the road. He had no idea why God was telling him to stop alongside the road, but he listened. And so he pulled over and he stopped. And he was waiting and nothing was happening, so he decided he was going to phone his mom back in Mexico while he was waiting. Meanwhile, this other man was traveling along. He began to experience transmission troubles. And his transmission died exactly in the right spot that he coasted right up and stopped right behind the doctor. <coughs> Meanwhile, the doctor is talking to his mother back in Mexico. And he began to feel the nudge from God, go back there and talk to the guy. And so he told his mom what he's going to do. And she was hesitant about it because she was afraid that uh, it could be dangerous and she was telling him not to do it. But he was, no, God is telling me to do this. So he got out of the vehicle and he went back and he talked to the man and he found out what the trouble was and he had an appointment in Edmonton to make and so he offered the man a ride into Edmonton and then to help, uh, to meet his appointment and then to help him afterwards. And so as they rode along, he began to talk to the man about the Lord and he found out that he also was a Christian. And they had a great time of fellowship, just driving into Edmonton to meet the appointment. You know, that's what God does. He saw one of his sons about to have a need, and he saw another one of his sons driving along ahead of him, and he told him to stop and meet the need. You know, we never know when the good, when the opportunity to do good will happen. When we can wash someone's feet. What Jesus is saying, if your teacher and Lord, God himself, if it is not beneath me to wash your feet, then it's not beneath you. Life affords so many foot washing opportunities. Simply walk into a room wondering if there's a simple act of kindness that you can do and you'll likely find one to do. And then Jesus adds an astonishing thing here. He says, if you do this, you will be blessed. Now, some people think, well, I'll be blessed. God's going to give me a fancier home. He's going to give me more money and so on. But is that what he's talking about? He's making a blanket, no exception, across the board promise here. If you'll be a towel bearer, if you'll serve people in practical ways, if you'll live beyond yourself, you'll be the recipient of God's blessing. What's this blessing? This blessing is you'll be happier, more satisfied, more fulfilled. Now, when people are surveyed, what is the greatest thing you want in life? And the greatest thing they invariably come back is, I want to be happy. 
That's what God has put in our hearts. We want to be happy people. Jesus is telling you how to do it. Pick up the towel and wash someone's feet. And you'll be blessed. You'll be satisfied. You'll be happy. Now here's the life-changing question. Do you really believe this? Do you believe it enough that you've reordered your value systems around this promise of Jesus that if you pick up the towel, you'll be blessed? You have to answer that question. We all do. Am I going to find meaning and fulfillment and happiness in life through pursuing what this world offers? Because the world is constantly saying, just take hold of this and you'll have happiness. Are you going to believe that? Or are you going to believe what Jesus says to take hold of the towel in the basin and wash someone's feet, serve them, and you'll be happy? You have to answer that question, am I going to believe Jesus or not? But beyond the fact of being blessed, we have no idea of the good which may come if we reach out. You go back in the 18th century, Dwight Moody stood out as the, one of the greatest evangelists of the 1800s, and uh, I guess you could call him the Billy Graham of his day. But as a teenager, he only wanted to be rich. That was his goal in life. But one day, a Sunday school teacher felt the nudge to go and talk to him. And he went and saw Dwight at his place of work. And a few simple words that day changed Dwight's mind forever. And that, through that, Dwight found salvation and he changed from seeking riches to seeking souls. And he impacted a whole generation of Americans. All because a Sunday school teacher just spent a few minutes talking to him and encouraging him. Through that, you can chase the chain all the way down to Billy Graham and Billy Graham's salvation and then the impact that he had on the world. All going back to a few words by a Sunday school teacher. When a lady named Glennis was three years old, she woke to find her mother lying dead beside her. It was 1966, and that was her earliest memory, a memory that she can't get rid of. She remembers waking up and touching her mother, trying to wake her, but her mom was cold and unmoving. Her mom had a black eye. It was years later that she found out what had happened the evening before. Her parents had had a fight. Her dad had struck her mom, giving her the black eye, uh, black eye and that night her mom died of a heart attack. Uh, Glennis was a carbon copy of her mom as far as looks. And her dad was so overcome with guilt that he couldn't bear to look at her. And so he gave her up to foster care. The years passed. She passed from foster home to foster home. Her emotions shrunk. She lost her identity. At 16, she trained as a florist and left foster care for good. At 19, she met a man who seemed to care. They moved in together for five years. And then one day, without warning, he just stripped the house of everything. She came home to an empty house, and he was gone. And she found out that he'd moved on and married another woman. Now she knew that she was wor worthless, and she had a nervous breakdown. It was a year before she could go back to work. And one night at work, Glennis and another woman were making up a large order, working until 2 a.m. in the morning. And as they finished, a bad thunderstorm came through. And uh, as that lightning started to flash and the thunder started, uh, everything just fell apart for Glennis. And suddenly she just became an emotional wreck and in terror she hid. 
The other woman was a Christian, and instead of belittling her for her fears, she simply said, you're coming home with me tonight. I'm not going to let you go home like this alone. There together they prayed. You know, that simple act of kindness led to Glenis' salvation. And eventually to the emotional healing that she needed. It was just one person reaching out and saying, right now you have a need. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to meet this. This is what life is about. Titus, three times. Paul, talking to Titus, said this is what life is about in chapter, chap chapter 3. He says, I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These are excellent and profitable for everyone. Another verse he said, we're to be ready to do whatever is good. Another verse, same chapter, our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good. And so really what Paul is saying here to Titus is, don't waste your one and only life by missing the opportunities to do good. So often the opportunities to do good, just they come on expectantly. And we're to be ready for them at any time. Many years ago on a construction site, everyone was taking advantage of the general contractor, my boss included, and I'd witnessed a number of confrontations between the general contractor and the sub-trades. On top of this, a construction company that he'd hired to do the job uh, had done an awful job. And he was left having to just fix so much stuff and he didn't have the money to hire another crew to come in and so he was just spending countless hours himself trying to fix this up. Plus there had been uh, all sorts of other problems that were outside of his control and he was just facing a lot of grief and he was losing money. And one day he exploded at me. It wasn't that I'd done anything wrong. I was simply in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he needed someone to yell at and curse at for a while. And I'd approached him and asked him a question and he just blew up. It had nothing to do with the question. It had nothing to do with me. And I just stood there and I looked him in the eye and I said nothing. I didn't blow up. I just sinned in silence. Actually, no, not really. I could have walked away and not taken the abuse. But in that instant, I understood what was happening. And so I stayed and I listened. And after venting, he just broke down and he began to cry. And then we had a long conversation after that about what was going on in his life. He just needed a listening ear. You know, when I went to ask him that question, I had no idea of the opportunity to do good that was going to be there. And that's how most opportunities to do good will come. But suddenly when they're there, they're God's opportunity for us to serve. This is what God is asking of us, to be available to do good at any time. God's desire is that we become people so filled with the kindness of Christ that we show Jesus Christ levels of kindness to others. What would it be like if our world, in our world, if everybody in it were good, doing good? Expressing it through simple acts of kindness. Can you imagine a world like that? Well, we're to be showing this world what that would be like. 
So I ask the question, is there a, a way to live that gets us past our selfishness? Is there a way to live that improves our world, that blesses our lives? And the answer is always being, yes, there is such a way. It's the way Jesus lived. It's the way that he's called us as his followers to live. It's to live beyond ourselves, to pick up the towel and to serve. So we can ask, why should we live beyond ourselves? Why should we go out of the way to do good deeds? Why should we be different than from everyone else? The answer is, this is God's destiny for you. Ever since the beginning of time has been God's destiny for you and me to do good, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. This has always been your destiny from before the beginning of time. God still wants to do good in his world. He hasn't changed. He wants to pour out loads of goodness out on this world. And he has a plan how he's going to do it. He's going to do it through you. He's going to do it through me. You are God's workmanship, God's masterpiece. You are created to do good, to bless this world. Dr. Schweitzer said, keep your eyes open for little tasks because it's in the little kind things the little kind tasks that are important to Jesus Christ. Don't be sitting waiting for something big to come your way. Just do those little things. Don't waste your days waiting for God to put the big things there. You're still a breathing body because God has some good works for you to do. The sad part is that many people are pursuing the false system of this world before they become a Christian and they're still pursuing the false system of this world after they become a Christian. And after we become a Christian, we're to no longer pursue the system of the world, but to pursue good works. It's our destiny, our purpose in life. You've been prepared to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Now, we all know this parable of the Good Samaritan, of the guy walking down the road, and uh, there's a guy walking down the road and finds a bloody, beat-up, unconscious man. Others have been there. They've seen the unconscious man, but they don't want to be, get involved. But the Samaritan gets involved, he cleans the wounds, he bandages him, he takes him to where he can receive further care, and he pays for his care. Now, what's the point of the parable? We're to be like him. Do the good that's in front of you, wherever you are. The extraordinary thing about the Samaritan was that he was willing to do the good along the way when no one else was watching him. He was willing to do good wherever he was at the time. The why of doing good is because it's our destiny. God has prepared and advanced the good we're to do. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. The where of doing good is anywhere you are. What about the how? How am I to do good? Well, I'd say however the Holy Spirit leads you. And no, that's not a cop-out answer. The Holy Spirit wants to be involved in your life, nudging you, showing you when and where and how to do good. Bill Hybels tells the story how at a point in his life where he had just uh, submitted his life to Christ anew and he was walking down a sidewalk towards his car when a taxi, I believe it was, drove up and uh, dropped this uh, elderly lady off. Uh, the snowplow just along the street, the snowplow had just plowed up a big bank of snow. On the other side of the bank of snow was a store. And uh, he walked on by and uh, suddenly he just felt the Lord saying to him, turn around, Bill. Why? Turn around, Bill. And he turned around and he saw this lady. And uh, 
said, I don't know why, God, you told me to turn around, but it looks like she needs help. And so he went back to her and he said, are you trying to get in the store? And she said, well, yes, I am. He said, how are you going to cross that big snowbank there? And she said, well, I'm not going to unless you help me. And so he trampled down the snow a bit and he offered to carry her across and she admonished him to be careful and he deposited her on the other side of the snowbank and then uh, he asked her if he, she had someone to help her when she was done and she said, that's all arranged. So he went on and got into his car, started it up and then he said, suddenly it hit him. There are billions of people on this planet Earth where there's famine, war, and all kinds of junk going on. And here's our good God in heaven, and he sees one of his frail elderly daughters needing a hand to cross the snowbank. And he sees one of his strong young sons walking right on by, and he stops him to help the old lady. It was in the heart of God to help that old lady over the snowbank. He just needed one of his sons to be listening and willing to do the good that God wanted him to do at that moment. Is God really that kind of a God that he notices the needs of his children? Is God really good enough that he would direct another one of his children to meet that need? The answer is yes, he is. So how do you do good when you leave this place? You do good wherever the Spirit of God leads you. Listen to him. Listen to him through your whole day. This is how we do good. Why do we good? do good? Because it's our destiny. So the question God is asking this, you today, are you ready at this point in time to take up the towel, to take on the lifestyle of doing good? No one ever drifts into towel bearing. You don't drift into it. Our drift is always towards selfishness. Everyone who becomes a towel bearer does so because at one point in their life, they decided that was going to be the direction of their life. Now, some of you here have already made that decision long ago that you wanted to be a towel bearer. Others haven't made that decision. Some of you are still focused on the selfishness with which you were born with. Some of you have already found out how empty that pursuit is. Others still haven't realized how empty it is, but you will. So on behalf of Jesus Christ, I want to ask you this question. Are you willing from this day forward as the Holy Spirit gives you power to take up the towel knowing that it's your destiny? Willing to do whatever possible good you can wherever you are, however the Spirit leads you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a powerful example Jesus gave us. There he is, king of this universe. And willing to pick up that towel and wash the dirty feet and be the servant. And in the same way, he says we're not above him. So if he, the master, is willing to do that, how much more should we be willing to do it? I pray that you would just make this the attitude of our hearts. That we would be servants. I pray that you would open our eyes to see the opportunities that are in front of us. I pray this in Jesus' name.